Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. So, uh, what? What? Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard. Do you see the hostility we deal with here every day, I just want to... Jarzak just wants to meet the new queen, you know. I just so you so, wanted to say that. Yeah. Anyway, welcome back to the uh, welcome back to the campaign. Beckons of the Herald of Steel, the adventure, the Lords, the quest, salvation. Our party had just met the Herald of Steel himself, or itself, I guess. Dealt with a very intriguing conversation about masters, and when offered an interesting proposition, uh, Anton made a decision for the party that ended up play <laughs> with quite the strange couple of amalgamated piles of metal. The party realizing that Durgar were herding uh, groups of slaves or what have you from these two villages to the south, possibly to the halls of silver and steel. The party had to make a difficult decision of which way they would go. Either chase after the slaves and the Durgar, potentially facing an army with very little preparation, or go to Eagleheart, speak with the queen, and hope that she can offer the assistance she had promised so very long ago for the group's deeds. The party made the reluctant decision to go speak with the queen in hopes of finding some sort of aid or salvation in their quest. So we left off at the party, still in the village, um, about to head off to the city of Eagleheart. So did you guys want to rest here first and stay the night, leave at the crack of dawn? Or did you want to just travel through the night and I'm good to travel. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to be traveling through the forest of the swordsmen, correct? The wandering swordsmen? Yeah. I got to leave some food. Are the people that are currently being driven also being herded through that forest? No. No, they went south. Um, and so- no, he's scared of the swordsmen. He'll kill them all. <laughs> Just the whole, yeah. All right. So with that, the uh, party, so you guys are going to travel through the night. Everybody's going to take one level of exhaustion from this while they're traveling, just as a, as a note. Um, and which, yeah, I, I guess at first reading, that always seems so much worse than it actually is, right? Because the first level of exhaustion is only for the ability to checks, right? Yeah. I believe so. And I'm, yeah, and I'm dis- gonna... disadvantage on ability checks. Yeah. I'm going to take two rations because I'm going to eat one for the day and I'm going to leave one for the swordsman. Okay. And you guys looting the village, if you'd like to, you could find rations of food if you wanted to scavenge before you left. 
Anybody feel the need to be particularly uh, scavengy, or did you guys want to just hurry out? They just hurry out. No, we'll just hurry out. If yeah, these people lost enough. <laughs> Come home. Who ate my pop tarts? <laughs> Sorry. Just an IOU note in the pop tart box. What the fuck? Just love Jarzak. Thanks for the pop tarts. But anyway, okay, so the party heads on horsey back, uh, another very fast, very difficult, arduous journey uh, on their way through the Forest of the Wandering Swordsman. Um, traveling after having left the uh, the village here of Glent in the early morning as the sun rises, the party will be arriving in the city at nightfall. Um, a very long and very difficult journey uh, the whole way through. Traveling through the Forest of the Wandering Swordsman, were people, you were going to drop off a ration just like before? Yep. Okay, sounds good. I think we'll throw some spices on it. That guy's my true master. (laughs) (laughs) And so with that, um, traveling through this forest as you guys enter here, as Anton's kind of looking for a nice place to set up and drop off the little offering to the swordsman, you guys can see, um, having fought in here before against a Duergar and a few of these strange iron servants, you guys see that there are corpses left behind in odd amounts of like three, five, even a group of like seven of these things that have all been cut down and slain um, in the span of like a mile or two traveling through here. But what you guys notice is as you're traveling through, it does seem like there's been more and more groups kind of clustered. And what you start to notice as well is the farther you get towards the city, there are actually the Queen's Guard in this mix as well. And it looks like there was actually battles fought out here and Norhill being probably the one to go check it. These look fresh enough to be from like two or three days ago tops. And so offering the offerings, the party trudge on and carry on, unless you guys wanted to do something with those bodies. I imagine you guys are kind of breaknecking and you're quest to get back to the city so as the party enter the city you guys can see in the front the gates the main gates to the city's outer wall have been fortified and locked and attempting to gain entry involves you guys having to demonstrate your names to the guards outside which let you in and once you guys come in you can see the same kind of battlements but on the city scale from like glory wake where there's just you know tons of stuff set up in order to keep people out and keep everything fortified but the streets seem kind of vacant at this hour of night and judging by how many dead bodies you've seen on the way in it looks like this place has probably come under attack a few dozen times in the time that you've left and are heading over in this way but the party arrive at the castle grounds by nightfall um probably closer to like mid-evening by the time you guys finally get there and you guys are greeted by that guard on the outer gate. Um, Jaden is his name, uh, which I totally knew. Um, don't question it. Uh, and he greets you guys with a look as if, I don't know, happy to see you alive, but very much so not thinking you guys should head in at this point in time. And as he greets you guys, takes horses and leads them off to the stables, seeing everybody haggard and beaten, he says, you know, in the same grovelly tone he had before, he says, Let me prepare rooms for you all for the evening. I think it would be best that you all get rest before you speak with the queen. Um, Kleega doesn't know if we have that kind of time. Uh, Kleega would like to, if she can't, if we can speak with the queen tonight, so maybe things can be put in motion for us as soon as 
Dawn's like, tomorrow when we leave. And with that, he says, I'm afraid she can't be disturbed at the time. She's locked herself away in one of her studies, and we cannot rouse her to come for anybody. I will go to her, and I will ask her if she will come for you all, champions of uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll go to her. <laughs> She'll come out for me. I'm sure she will. Um, and so with that, he says, as he leads you guys to the same waiting room you've been left in so many times before, the scribblings of Jarzak was here on the wall, still <laughs> legible as ever, little ink stains from that creepy finger thing. But after about a half hour or so of waiting, the man, Jaden, comes back again, and he seems to be sort of out of breath as he enters the chamber, as if having, like, hoofed it there and hoofed it back. And he says... I'm afraid she's not speaking to anybody at this time. And she says that she'd be more than willing to speak with you all in the morning and says that hearing that you all are here has done much to lift her spirits. And she would love to have the knighting ceremony tomorrow morning before you all met and spoke about whatever you had to speak of. And so he says, I assume you will all be happy to have such an occasion. And for that reason, I told her that you would all be more than willing to do so. No, this is important. It's a matter of life and death. We must speak with the queen now, if we have to go to her rather than wait for her to come to us. And he says, as head of the watch here within the castle grounds, I'm afraid I can't allow you to do that. What's this rush for the knighting ceremony? This doesn't seem like the time. And he seems to kind of blink back and forth, and he says, I think she is in desperate need of something to hold people together at this point in time. It seems like a play to boost morale. Indeed. What's going on around here? And so with that, he says, we've been attacked by Duergar. They come in the night and they fight terribly so. We've sent people off into the woods thinking maybe these are single surprise attacks, but stories of the beasts made of metal and those without life walking again like scarecrows filled with steel, it, it strikes fear into the hearts of those who travel through here. Most people get turned away, but I'm glad to hear that you've all been allowed in. We need to boost morale because people are hearing these stories and not being able to leave or travel has done much to give a sense of distrust in the state, especially hearing that the orcs of Gorgareth have yet to stop their assaults on Glory Wake. As well, they should be scared. You've lost two entire villages already. And with that, he kind of looks over to you as if, like, he knows this, but not to the extent that you seem to know it. And so with that, he seems to turn to you and he says, what do you know? Well, we'd As like to... through Glanton Gaborah on our way here back from Glory Wake, not a single living soul left, uh, dead or enslaved. So with that, he kind of looks, I guess I would say, a mix between, like, grief and shame and he kind of just rubs the back of his head uh thoughtfully and he says we do the best we can and we follow the queen to the end she has done her best to take in those she can help and those who are in such he can't even seem to like struggle to get the words out he says in such a plight so be it we need people like you to go help them but our army is struggling to do what they can all over amaroth We've sent guard up north to Cooperford for we've heard similar stories. And unfortunately, we've given much an army to Glory Wake, hoping to bolster the reserves against the orcs. We were not ready for such an attack from Duergar. Nobody was ready. 
so you see why we impress upon you that it's important we talk to the queen immediately with the information we've gathered from our travels. And so with that, he kind of looks down at his feet in that same kind of almost elven, shameful kind of way that you guys have seen before. And he says, I'm trying to do my best to help you all. You need your rest. Please speak with her in the morning. Anton just gives him a nod and he says, he just puts his hand on his shoulder and he's like, you as well. Clearly you've been working just as hard. And so he gives kind of a couple of short nods and he dips out of the room and he says, I will send someone down with preparations for your bedrooms and I will get you comfortable rooms. With the lack of nobility visiting, it will not be hard to find you all comfortable places. Please try to get some rest before tomorrow and clear your mind and try your best to be very reasonable. And he seems to duck out as quickly as he can after that last remark, closing the door behind him. And so with that, the servant comes down, prepares your things and brings you guys up to chambers that look like, again, noble estate chambers. Like they look like individual houses nestled in the castle walls that you guys get to stay in. Um, but one single sort of atrium chamber seems to connect all of your rooms in this hall, sort of like an end room that kind of connects all of you guys in a little corner base. And um, when everybody's head off to bed and begins their rest, unless well, anybody uh, to talk. Yeah, Kleeka's going to yeah. ask that everyone meets up in the atrium before getting off to bed. Anton will be in like a robe and slippers. Joseph is going to ask to meet up too. Putting some lotion on his hands for his arthritis. Oh my god. <laughs> Good lord. Good lord indeed. But anyway, okay. And so with that, party meets in the atrium. Um so when Klika heard that we were all being knighted, she went out and got us all some nice clothes to wear for the ceremony. I know it's not the situation any of us imagined but Kleeka would be happy if you all decided to wear them and Kleeka also picked up um, some tools that'll help us get presentable if anyone wants to I know Norhill usually takes pretty good care of himself but Jarzak and Anton you guys are looking a little scraggly Kleeka uh, look I appreciate it i what are you saying something's wrong with my current clothes yes those ones are too clean click a nose there i'm gonna have to like no nope. and find some dirt to no nope. you can uh, after the ceremony not tonight your finest cup of dirt sir <laughs> I think I was going to hold on to Jarzak's clothes until the morning. I guess, well, I guess I'm going to have a servant get me some dirt. And then Kleeka will, yeah, will also pull out like the barber's tools and everything. And if anyone wants to use them or have Kleeka clean them up, then she will offer that. Shave beards down or I know Jarzak usually keeps his head shaved and so does Norhill. I don't know how much has grown back if they want to do that. I don't know. What Anton's beard and hair looks like. It's he's he's looking a bit scraggly, a little bit more like a woodsman, so he needs some cleaning. 
<laughs> He's probably lost a lot of weight. High and tight, you know? So yeah. as the beautician circle set up here in the atrium with fresh water and everything prepared to do this, uh, at an odd hour of night, a gentleman comes striding down this corridor to the atrium and seeing all four of you has a look of surprise to him. Could I get a history check real quick? Yeah. Or even a, a nature check, I guess, will work as well. 19 history. Four history. 12 nature. And history. Okay, so everybody except for Klika seems to recognize this man for what he is. Um, looking at his curly hair and his tall, like kind of lanky stature, this man, especially wearing like the darker olive tones and the dark blue tones that he's wearing, he looks to be a man from Ascobellum. And he comes wandering around the corner wearing what appears to be regal garb and seeing all of you guys, it's like 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, and he's not supposed to be down here, but he looks at you all real quick and he's like, like a deer caught in headlights and he pauses and with a like a certain confident reassurance, he comes walking down this way with a scroll in hand and he says, I was hoping to leave this here so that you all could see it maybe in the morning before the ceremony. I, I come from Escabellum, and King Therone wishes you to see this and kind of just like tosses it to you guys. And with that, he gives a bow, making it a firm point to close his eyes as he does and bows like hard bow down. And he says, glory be the spoils. And yeah. just goes booking it down the hall. Wait, wait, no, oh. Anton goes to grab his horn and he's going to like run after him. Be like, I found something from your people. Anton, you're mid-shave right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, as, as, yeah, wearing the, the schmock and everything there. Yeah, just half-shaving cream. <laughs> but as you go running back that way, he says, I, I'm sorry, but I, I unfortunately, I, I, I do not know what this is. I've come here with one task, and if I, it was heard that I was here speaking with you all, I don't know what the punishment would be. But please, out of respect for me, my lord, and everyone here, this never happened. And so with that, he turns and runs as fast as he can. Okay, we'll open it in the morning. Jarzak starts unrolling it now. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Norhill's going like, to go pick it off and see, see, see what it is. Anton settles back into his little chair and looks at Kalika and he says, that was very odd. Kalika begins snapping her gum in her new cheetah print le- leg. Yeah, she's got the hair up in the uh, beehive. And she's just like, you know, that's the thing about like, Ask a Bell on me. Just just, just. But anyway, unraveling what would appear to be a mysteriously simple note, it is signed by King Throne himself of Azkabellum, and it essentially in its simplest form says, it lists out each and every one of your names and titles, and says to meet him in the capital city of Azkabellum, which I totally know that off the top of my head, of Avi. He says to meet him there at your earliest convenience. It essentially also says he's very aware that you guys are busy, but to keep this a secret. What's the king's name? The uh, King Theron. You. Did you want his full name? Is that what I'm hearing? Just wanted to get his name one more time. Oh. So, reading this note, can I do some form of a history check to see if there's any weird, like, political strife between, I mean- like, Eagleheart and them? King of Throne is supposed to be marrying Queen Elvira Garavar. 
Yeah, that, and that aren't they like her. old political rivals? They, they've well, the, the countries are not. They've been peaceful, but to make an alliance means a lot for the islands to the north and for the continent that you guys are all on. To become allies like that would be like if I don't know France and Germany decided to make a very firm, hard alliance. Everybody around them is like, yeah, that's cool, but like. Those are the two countries I was thinking of too. But I was like, right in the middle of Europe, one mega country. Yeah. And that causes problems. Right. Everybody around them is like, okay, well, now if they want to do anything, they have a lot of bullying power. It's like on Survivor, there's a good alliance set up. So now everybody else is like, well, if they wanted to vote me off, they have the majority. (laughs) This doesn't bode well for pretty much anybody since a lot of trade. You get cold feet. Is that what's happening here? But he only wants to tell us. He's like, I just don't know what to wear. But good, I'll go tell I the queen immediately. We're, we're kind of like the quote-unquote bridal party. This is how he gets like oh, the no, 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 no bridal party. <laughs> He's looking to have a rager of a bachelor party. That's what it is. But at the end of it, it signs again with "Glory be the spoils, and spoiled be the blade," and then his name signet on there. But okay. That's hey. The party you wish to rest. Yeah. Yeah. They're being cleaned. Some of us not as willingly. Jarzak, did you no, want to no. say something before? Because you said you wanted to get everyone together too. Yeah, you don't you don't put water on your face, Klika. Like you're getting in my eyes. That's not how you do it. Jarzak, I, I told you to close your eyes like three times. It says no tears. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I crying? <laughs> uh, it looks like a fish. Yeah, so should I just go out the window and fly up to the queen and talk to her now? <laughs> like a fucking vampire appearing in her window. Let me in. <laughs> she's like, wait a minute, these exist in our universe. <gasps> I don't think that'd be a good idea, Jarzak. That's how Jarzak ironically dies <laughs> to the heart, being penetrated by the lady he loves. But. She's going to want to see me, so... I think... I think before you see her, Darzek, what was all that talk about your master being the deceiver? Well, <laughs> you know, it's getting late, so I think you're right. We should just turn in for tonight. Queen? What queen? I'm sleepy! Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh... <laughs> That Harold is steel man. He's trying to split us up. Would you like to roll that deception? He, he can't divide the followers of the light. Not great. It's at disadvantage for everybody because it's a check, right? Oh, everybody's <laughs> exhausted. Oh my god, wait, that's right. <laughs> So literally everybody rolls at disadvantage. 16. Damn, at disadvantage? 15 and 13. Zero. <laughs> Too busy cutting hair. Got bubble gum in your face. Yeah. What's the check that we have to do against? Insight. 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 Thank you. With disadvantage. 15. Oh, damn. Yep. I'm sleepy. Good night. I don't think that's what you got. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I got a 10. 
All right. So would you like to say that you do scurry off to your room and kind of leave it on that note? Or are you going to just stick around? Uh, was it a cat? Yeah, it was a cat. <laughs> well, there's been so many interruption in these freaking shows, man. Uh, I'll, I'll stick around for a minute. Just be like, yeah, the light. <laughs> so Kalika's just like, yeah, I agree. Meanwhile, Norhill and Anton just like eyebrows <laughs> rise simultaneously. Kalika's car are just uh, shaving Jarzak's basketball number into the side of his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you can't do like the warrior braid, then just shave it all. Click, it doesn't feel like you're shaving at all. <laughs> was here in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Anton just gives Jarzak a look. He just gives him a nod. And he says, "Do what you like, Jarzak." But taking the lights and using it as simply taking it in vain, the Illuminator's protection in vain, it will not protect you. He just kind of leaves. <laughs> Goes off to bed. Covered in shaving cream. I'm still wearing the smock, just like I'm wash it off. <laughs> Fair enough. And then there's Norhill, Kalika, and Jarzak hanging out in the atrium. The note sitting there like an elephant in the room in between all three of you. And the information that Jarzak may not be what he is what he appears to be. Oh, that's oh, Anton must be really off today or something. Kalika also saw him deflate and turn into a pile of bugs one time. So it's not yeah. like this is something. Yeah. Kalika's seen a lot of bad shit from Jarzak. So I mean, none of this is a surprise. It is kind of funny that it took half a hundred episodes to get to the point that the entire party knows that you're a warlock. <laughs> like, who knows? You know, Just, that's uh... a, a You know? But does Norhill have anything to say, or is that kind of. Yeah, I think uh, Anton could kind of tell and it seems like you can too Norhill and whose side are you Cl- on Clica already knows but uh my strength doesn't come from the light or any place <laughs> that's good so it seems whose side are you on though I'm on the side that gets me to my goals damn like an anvil shattering a coffee table he lays that one down any follow up Snorhill good night Jarzak good night Norhill <laughs> bye as we both walk towards the same oh no, oh uh. <laughs> Well, you all have separate rooms. It's just that they can't all spill out in the same living room area in the center. I, th- I thought this one was mine. That was weird. We walked in the same direction after we said goodbye. Just knock on your door like <laughs> a half hour later. Is my toothbrush in there? I I, I think I brought it in there. Norhill? I hear the TV. No answer. <laughs> Look, I hear the TV. I heard you turn it down. All right. But anyway, okay. What about Klika and Nor- Jarzak now that you two are all alone? Or does I mean, Kli- just bounce? Yeah, Klika's let Jarzak know how she's felt before about everything. And she knows that Jarzak doesn't want to do some of the things that he does. 
So I don't just... feel like I don't feel like we've ever actually heard Jarzak's goals actually spelled out beyond like making out with queens. Like I, I just we've never heard a single one of these plots. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. So for what it's worth, that's still a thing that hangs in the air because, I mean, again, he mentioned in North Hill that it's like he's here to do what he has to do, which is so alarming because he's never said what doing is. So it's like everybody's just like... I think as Kleeka is, you know, putting away the uh, barber's tools and cleaning up the atrium and everything, she's going to look over at Jarzak and just say, Jarzak, what... What do you want? What's worth all that pain? As you look down at Jarzak's metal claw. <laughs> yeah, Jarzak's just staring at it, moving his fingers in it. He's like, uh, I want to be able to go back home one day with my Head held high, Klika. And the way I left, it's... It, I, I need to be powerful to do that. Damn. I think but, Jarzak is the edgelord character at this point. I think we've officially hit that point. Like, I know we've had everything built up for you to be that, but like... Yeah, Klika's now dyed Jarzak's hair black, and he has, like, the half bang covering half his face. <laughs> Where did he get all this hair from? Yeah, he could use mending on my hair. He gets to choose whatever hairstyle he wants. Yeah, when you go to the barber shop, you just select through and you get all these. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and okay. uh, with that, he's just going to be like, Clicks, uh... I was kind of being serious when I said it didn't sound too bad what the Herald of Steel offered. Well, um, Klika didn't know she had any masters until she met the elves. And now apparently Klika has some great purpose and is serving some these masters or maybe is a master Kliga doesn't really know but she wants to be there when you go home and she wants to be there when you show them how strong you've become she wants to help you Jarzak and Kliga's always gonna want to help you and then I think Klika's just gonna sort of bow out and head to her room. Grab, I guess, like as she's saying that, she'll walk up to Jarzak and take both his hands, his regular one, and then more hesitantly reach out and grab his new Edge Lord gauntlet and <laughs> just sort of look up at him while she says that, and then just give him a little wink and head to bed. Sure. Jarzak will head to bed too. I was going to say, 
Jarzak notices that after having spoken so much about plans and plots and what he's here for, there's no itching at the back of your neck and things are oddly quiet on that end of the spectrum. And it feels almost like ominously radio silence for you. But I guess no news is, having no news is, sorry, no, yeah, whatever. I don't know, fuck it. He didn't say anything, that's it. I'm ending it right there. But anyway, so the party sleeps that night well enough as is and at the crack of dawn you guys are greeted by a servant who's brought out food as well as a barber's kit as well as some stuff to clothe the party but seeing that the party has already been tended <laughs> and has new wardrobe in tow this person basically just offers you guys the food a little rolly wheelie stall and says to be out in the courtyard in an hour's time to meet with the queen before the council i mean before the uh, the uh, court Sorry, court the people for fuck's sake i can't say words right now but anyway for the audience there you go i have two questions aye aye first question who took the scroll Jarzak. okay second question when you had a contact do we remember when it went about spells being bonus actions and actions no, 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 no. This is about Luna Bullscrag Peak. Did we know that the Deceiver was behind that, or did only Jarzak know? I believe only Jarzak knew. And Cleek okay. came in the it, room and saw the giant centipede and saw him, like, speaking to it. What did the um, did Swedish gnome say in his note? To Bonnie, how he mentioned that he'd been kind of... I mean, the note, anybody who read it with an IQ above 30 and understood what the Deceiver is... Which if Pleco read it, uh, everyone did, I think. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. That's all I need to know. Okay. Uh, man, Jarzak is really blossoming into this character profile, huh? The idea that, like, to survive where others have fallen and failed in this concept of doing it for what he needs it for, hoping he can tame the beast before it tames him. Whew. I'll tell you what, don't tell me how to live my life, Dad. Swoosh. That <laughs> so, does anybody want to say anything before you head out? An hour is not enough time to get out to the courtyard to get some dirt. Uh, to the stables. Oh, I have this jar of graveyard dirt from way back in the day. Goes to take it out. <laughs> just so morbid. Like he just fucking slaps it out of his hand. <laughs> well, Anton just looks to Dartek and he says... I understand the balance. I understand what light there must be. Dark, truth lies. I'm only telling you, do not say you pray to the light, you believe in the light, if you don't actually follow it. If you are a follower of darkness, embrace it. Do not try to follow the light and be a lie. And then he walks away. I was just waiting for Jarzak to pull the whole those who walk too close to the light are blinded. Darkness is everywhere for the blind. <laughs> and just be like, that ain't gotta tell the line. But anyway, okay. And so with that, did anybody else have anything to say? Hmm. And so the parties led out to the courtyard you guys had been in so very long ago, having come out of that little wagon at the beginning, or I guess towards the end of the fall season, and now on the precipice of early spring, um, the party stands out there as you walk out and see that there are hundreds of people gathered, nobles, merchants, individuals who look to be maybe of a lower social class, and it seems like 
um, everybody's gathered in attendance for you guys. You're lifted up onto some sort of a raised podium here in a couple of ornate chairs. And there is a large podium set up where the queen herself comes out in front of everybody after being heralded with the horns and all the fancy stuff. Everybody's sort of beckoned to call uh, to stand up. You know, it's the whole big fancy affair. But essentially, the queen arises wearing full regalia, dressed up with the big honeycomb hair and all that jazz, wearing the colors of the people. And she comes out forcing what appears to be a tremendous, glorious smile. And she says, as she rises to the podium and everybody greets her, and she says, this day we call honor and praise to those who go above and beyond all that was ever asked upon them. Champions of Amaroth, I introduce you all to four protectors of the realm, those who do not bend to the will of fear, those who stand guard at the ready to protect the innocent and the weak and the meager, those who stand to all vows and promise nothing more than to do what is asked of them. We offer you praise, champions of the realm, and it is my honor as Queen Alvir Garavar, Queen of Amaroth, to knight you all under the heralded arms of Amaroth. And with that, she pulls out this big, fancy, regal blade and approaches all of you and sort of requests that you kneel before her to be knighted. My queen. Jarzak just, just <laughs> like just fucking slides to her <laughs> on knees. <laughs> Some like she doesn't even pull the sword out yet and he's just like laying there. He slams his knee down so hard it hurts. <laughs> Ow. And so with that, you're knighted and offered the status. Who would be next? Probably the next in line would be Klika. Yeah. Klika stands up and then kneels before the queen. And so I knight you, Lady Klika, protector of the realm. And next would probably be Anton. Yep. I knight you. Sir Anton, protector of the realm. And last, Norhill. My lady. And so he says, and I knight thee, proud dwarf, master dwarf, lord dwarf, many things dwarf, all things dwarf. I don't know where I'm going with it. But anyway, I knight you, Sir Norhill, protector of the realm, and knights him individually as well. And with that, she turns to everybody and says, in times such as these with war on the horizon, with so much damnation all abound, protectors such as these remind us, Amaroth will prevail. Let the eagle rise and soar, proud, bravery, filled with strength. And with that, everybody begins to cheer, confetti kind of flying everywhere, horns and stuff bellowing. And she turns to all of you guys with a small smile as she does and asks you all to rise. After she says, like, the eagle rise and soars and everyone starts clapping, Klika will use prestidigitation to make it sound like there's an eagle cry. Just like, ah! Really nail the effect. <laughs> anyway, so that she asks everybody to rise. You know, are you prestidigitating my cat meowing right now? I am, yeah. You sneaky dog. But anyway... That's what eagles sound like in this fantastical realm. I hate it already. So with that, party rises, the applause begins, and she leads a little procession of maidens and whatnot back into the castle proper. And uh, afterwards, you guys are led in 
after. And with that, you guys can hear the sounds of all the cheering and stuff still going on as you head in through the main doors. And the queen seems to already be gone by the time you've come in. And it seems like she's already headed on her way somewhere else. Jaden immediately grabs you guys' attention and says to meet with her at one of her studies within the next half hour. He leads you up there, following all the different pathways to get up to that place. And somehow, almost miraculously, she's already there in a completely different wardrobe, uh, looking a lot more like subdued and down with hair down and everything long past her waist. And she sits there in the same position she had so many months before. And she looks upon all of you and says, so what brings you all here today? I've heard from Jaden under great stress and duress that you all need to speak with me. I appreciate all that you've done. And I, again, out of all formal you know, presentations, I'm grateful for what you've done for me and for the realm. So what is it that I can do for you? Why do you need me? You must march upon the halls of silver and steel with all due haste. And so with that, she looks to you in a way that's very unemotional, but she kind of just tilts her head slightly and she says, is this the wish you ask of me? It is. And so with that, she says, Norhill, I must be frank with you and I must be as honest as I can be. To give you such a thing, to march any army onto your dwarvish hall would be near suicidal for me and our people. And if you wish to remain a protector of this realm, I need you to understand what you're asking of me. You are asking me to take my people to protect those which we hold with respect, but they are not my kin. They are traitors. They are people that we've done business with. They are people that we hold, again, in great esteem, great honor. Somebody like you, you are greatly representative of your people, a lord among the dwarves. But unfortunately, that is not enough for me to leave my entire city open to attacks. And I hope you can understand when I say this, that you have my greatest of gratitude and my thanks, but you do not have my military strength. This isn't just our problem anymore. Two villages have already fallen, not a soul left. I'm sure that Jaden told you. And with that, she says, I am very well aware of the fall of Glenton Gabora, and I'm also very well aware of the fall of Cooperford. I am very well aware of how little time we have to protect ourselves. And if there is to be a siege on my city, I would not have my front door wide open for an, atta for an attack because I marched my army to a mausoleum crypt filled with dead dwarves. I wish- You know from whence they strike. You know from whence they strike. We all do, from within. You cannot be this daft. From whence do you think the Dorgar came? Out from the halls of silver and steel, where else? Indeed, and they claim that crypt as their new home their territory, their playground. And if you think that I'm going to march my army into whatever awaits them there, you are a fool. I offer you help and I offer you aid, but I'm not offering you my kingdom. And if I march my army out there and leave ourselves undefended, I'm giving you my kingdom and I am giving it over to whatever awaits us out there. That being of steel mocks me from outside of the city walls. 
and he would have my head if he could merely get in. I offered you my promise and I'll help you when the time is right, but I refuse to help you now. It is not my problem. Show your weight. Let yourself be bled little by little until there's nothing left. And what am I supposed to say to the dwarves? What happened to your people? Why could you not defend yourselves? You come to me for aid, begging me, and when I say I need to protect myself, you wish to be to be rude to me in my own home, in my own city, in my own court? I apologize, Norhill, for the fall of your people. I apologize that they were the first victims of whatever it is that awaits all of us. But if I'm supposed to feel pity for you for being first in line, I'm afraid you have me mistaken. I think we could maybe take a more tactical approach to this. Would it be wise of us to possibly investigate further into what is actually going on there? Not send an army, nothing of that grandiose and that easily to spot, but just some way, because Snorhill does have a point, whatever is happening in the halls of Stillborn Steel will happen here. She points to a chest in the corner of the room with a big tarp dangled over it, and she says, open it. Be my guest. What? (laughs) There's something weird in there. (laughs) <laughs> it's a pool noodle, but covered in maple syrup. She just wants to pull it out. She always Jar- keeps guessing. Jarzak will go open it. You pull it open, and what you see reminds you a lot of what you fought on the road back then, and a lot of the te- like the dead bodies you guys have seen, where it looks to be like again like a strange construct of skin that's been filled with steel and whatnot. But this seems to be like a single arm's worth remnant. But looking at the size of it. It's not a dwarvish arm, and it looks like the arm that belongs to like a person, like a human being. And with that, she says, this is what we're against, and this is what happened to the dwarves. I don't know what the Duargar have done and how they've managed this, or what that being out there that holds them all and heralds them all into the call is, or what it's doing. But look at it. And Jarzak looks at the dangly dead arm in there filled with sword pieces, bits of metal and chain, pieces of dwarvish steel, pieces of like, you know, human wrought steel there. And she says, this is an army of the dead brought to life in some facsimile of of being through the powers of whatever it comes from. This is what happened to the dwarves. If you wish to investigate further, by all means, I will aid you in your quest as much as I can, but I'm afraid I've done much to help you all. And it is not the place of the lords and ladies to demand a queen. And I'm afraid it is certainly not the place of those freshly knighted to demand things of a queen, especially not a queen in warfare and especially not a besieged queen. And if you would like to stand in this room and try to force my hand, I consider you all besieging the queen. Didn't didn't you make a promise to us that you would help us if we helped you? And she says, Have I not helped you in the past? Have I not granted you gifts? Have I not granted you thanks? You walk as heroes and champions in this realm. Everyone knows you. You are heroes. What more could you ask of me? The aid for the dwarves? What good is a kingdom if it is destroyed? 
So what? We march upon the mausoleum of the dwarves and we all lose? For what? A promise? What good is a promise to two people dead who have sworn it? Would there be any way then for us to help you? It may be best for us to gather as much information as possible way against the Herald of Steel to reverse this army of the undead. There needs to be some more level of protection for us, for your kingdom. And she says, my play right now, if you want to speak strategy, is defensive. What I gain information can help me only so much as it helps me defend myself and my people. And unfortunately, I don't think we have much longer time for either Glory Wake or for here, so long as this march continues. And I don't think it begins in the Dwarvish Hall, and I don't believe it ends in the Dwarvish Hall. Do as you please to help the dwarves, Norhill. Do as you please, all of you, to help the dwarves. I wish you Godspeed to doing so. But I'm afraid our fates may be sworn already. And this may just be the way that the story ends. But I would be damned if I swear over everything to help you all on a whim when this could be a matter of time. I don't know what this is all about. And unless you all have spoken with the Herald of Steel himself, I don't think you know any better than I do. That we have. And so she looks absolutely gobsmacked by that remark. <laughs> Actually, bitch, here's his number. <laughs> and she says, you taunt me? I do no such thing. I tell you, we've spoke with the Herald of Steel, so we have. And you live to speak of this? Barely. <laughs> In fact, Jarzak's pretty much half dead. Jarzak lifts the gauntlet up. It's just bones. He's like, it's really spooky. But with that, she says... We, uh, we left 150 people to the slaver so that we could bring you this information, thinking that you would help. And she says... And this is great. You are all knights. You all help protect the realm. This is expected of you. Understand that helping me is not helping myself. It's helping the kingdom. So if you want to say that it's just me, then by all means, be short-sighted, dwarf. But you telling me of those slaves being pushed, that helps everybody. This is not a battle of egos. This is a matter of strategy. And I need to be cold-cut I need to be very firm in my grip here, okay? If it is going to be something you can do, that you can protect those people and save them, then by all means. But I don't think marching an army on them is going to help anybody. Neither will sitting here behind your walls. You fight, you fight an army of the dead, and our, uh, a mortal army will tire eventually. A besieging army will get bored. They won't be able to pay their people any longer. They will go away and the sheet will break if you can hold it out. Eventually it ends. An army of the dead doesn't eat. An army of the dead doesn't tire. An army of the dead doesn't sleep. They can wait until you all drop dead of starvation, uh, waiting here behind the walls. And they will, because the Herald of Steel's goal is to end all masters, mortal and immortal, break all ties, destroy all nations anything that a person could serve other than it 
it seeks to kill. And so with that, she says, then if I am to die in here besieged by an army of immortals, I will die here with my army, Norhill. Let it be known. Well, if you won't help, then I have no use for your knighthood, and I have no use for you. If you will not give us aid, maybe someone else will. And so with that, she says, go ask that of the gnomes and the halflings. Perhaps the wee folk will feel pity for you. Oh, guys, we can go talk to uh, uh, that king. What's his name? Yeah, perhaps uh, I will. Maybe Ask Bellum will give us a hand. She says, as she kind of like takes a very different demeanor, and she says, Norhill, I do not think you understand who you're speaking to, and I don't know that you know what you're speaking about. If there's something you'd like to tell me about Ascabellum, then by all means, speak. But I don't think you understand what kind of fire you're playing with right now. And you see a certain keenness in her eye flash for just a moment that you have never seen before in human eyes. And for a second, it kind of makes you a little bit on edge as if like, oh, okay. All I know I is that they might have forces ready to fight a fresh. And, so, and they might be more amenable to the dangers. Not to mention, they are like military nation. They are like Spartan trained from childhood to do stuff like this. So saying this is a lot more valid of a claim than you might think. And so with that, she says, you would undermine me like this? Break vows of knighthood? The day of knighting? So much for I, the I, I, I took no I I took your vow as a gift. You are not my queen. I am a foreigner in these lands, doing the best for I can for my people. And I'm afraid you me a lord, that is not true. I am nothing but an enlisted man, fulfilling his oaths that I took before you were even born. And as I said before, what good is an oath when both people who took it are dead? Enjoy your life as a foreigner. I don't think you have much of a land to go home to, Norhill. And as long as you wish to go breaking promises and shunning away those who wish to give you a place to call home, I think you will forever wander. And I think you will die out there, alone and cold. What good is a, and what good is a queen with no kingdom? Can I cast calming emotions? The room needs to calm down. <laughs> and so with that, she says, be gone from my court, all of you. Perhaps they were right. Would have been better off if a king was ruling. <laughs> Jarzak leaves. What the fucking fuck was that? <laughs> Why'd you say that? What the hell was that? He puts on his fedora and walks out. What the fuck? No, I'm just kidding. The, the, the old king was better. No, I get, I get what you're going for. <laughs> I hope so. But anyway, with that... <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> but anyway... With that, she wasn't being nice anymore. Drezak doesn't like that. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Never hated words coming from both parties. And so with that, she stands up from her seat and gives a banishing finger to get out of there. And guards immediately run to the door to open it. And seeing you guys being heralded out, she yells out. She says, get them out of here. Get them out of here this instant. Have Jaden escort them outside of the castle grounds. No, not Jaden. Someone else. Send Jaden to my quarters immediately. And with that, you guys have an entire 
swath of like 10 guards begin to hustle you guys down the stairs and you see Jaden being summoned from the uh, main hall where you guys uh, can we get our stuff and yeah it looks like they're going to be tossing your stuff out on the curb (laughs) and so we end the episode with the guards walking you guys your stuff out there oh mom kicks that (laughs) no Good night, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. <laughs>